Hello and welcome to Wi-Fi Optional, the weekly tech show where we talk tech so you don't have to. This is episode 23, uh, recorded Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016, and with me is uh, Mr. Jason Watercott. I'm Rick Sean Um Welcome, Jason. You're running on uh, a few hours of sleep and uh, a couple of uh, uh, disconnects. This is take three, <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting week to say the least. And uh, yeah, the sleep is at a premium at this point in time. Um, but that's what you get for having a new baby and a new puppy all in the same same weekend. So uh, fighting through it, but uh, very happy and very uh, fortunate things have gone gone very well. And I know that you uh, you're coming off a interesting last weekend that you had uh, with uh, with work and working uh, quite a few hours. Yeah, it's uh, it was at least ten hours a day for uh, since I don't know when, uh, but you know sometimes you gotta you gotta play hard to you gotta work hard to play hard. So yeah, cut, cutovers don't happen on Monday through Friday either. No, especially when you're working in the healthcare industry. You know you gotta uh, those clinics don't uh, they they don't shut down during the day. But uh, after general. yeah, after a week. Uh, week-long hiatus uh, we're back and uh, we got some uh, pretty pretty rad uh, news stories uh, most of them more from actually this week um, and you know we we saw a lot of changes but uh, some of them actually were, were mostly updates to some of the stories we wanted to talk about uh, last week so um, let's get rolling On a follow-up for something we talked about from, uh, in the past, but also from further in the past, uh, an Australian entrepreneur named Craig Wright has publicly identified himself as Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, ending the year's speculation, Wright stepped into the spotlight following a joint investigation by the BBC, The Economist, and GQ. Uh, the news comes six months after the uh, Wired and Gizmodo both identified Wright as the creator of Bitcoin. Uh, they amassed a trove of leaked emails, documents, financial records, and synth-deleted blog posts painting a far more comp- complete picture than 2014's Newsweek report, which identified a California engineer, Satoshi Dor- Uh We may have lost uh, Jason, but uh, <laughs> the rest of the story is... Uh, um- which identified California engineer Satoshi Dorian Nakamoto as the founder of Bitcoin. Nakamoto denied the reports and threatened to sue, but Wright is now taking ownership of the virtual currency. I was the man, uh, I was the main part of it, but the other people helped me, Wright said, pointing to uh, cryptographer Hal Finney, uh, one of the engineers who helped him turn Wright's idea into Bitcoin protocol, BBC said. Um, Anybody that knows anything about Bitcoin, it's it's almost next to impossible to try and figure out the origination. Um, it's it's so well masked. But um, reading further into the article, it says that uh, um, Craig Wright was able to reproduce some of the algorithms and 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 some of the the keys that were used in in the uh, initial uh, Bitcoin chains. Uh, so that's how they they basically uh, figured out that he is is most likely the creator of of Bitcoin. Um, not really sure um, why it took him this long to actually uh, you know come up and and say yes you know I was the one that did it but uh, um, but looks like we may have a a definite or somewhat definite uh, indication of who the the creator of, of bitcoin actually is and uh i see jason's back um 
Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, it's been a fun night of these uh, these internet troubles. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where I left off. I'm guessing you picked up where I left off. But it's just interesting to see, you know, after, like uh, uh, you probably alluded to that when the the California engineer was accused back in the the article, the the investigation they had a few years back or months back, um, and Wright's name kind of came up, and I think they hit, looped into something with uh, with the IRS or not IRS or whatever the IRS would be in in. Um, Australia, and I think that's kind of what brought him to the light, and and now it's probably proven that not hundred percent, but that he's the one that uh, that completed uh, or was the one that's behind quote unquote Bitcoin and the um, the blockchain um, technology itself. Yeah, moving on. Nokia is buying digital health firm Withings for one hundred and ninety one million dollars. Nokia has announced plans to acquire Withings, a French consumer electronics company focused. On digital health for 170 million euros or 191 million dollars in cash. The acquisition will significantly boost Nokia's portfolio of wearables and fitness devices, bringing 200 Withings employees and products, including its Activite smartwatch, e-ink fitness tracker, and Bluetooth thermometer, into Nokia's advanced technologies division. In a blog post, uh, Cedric Hutchins of Withings hailed uh, how perfectly aligned the company goals are. Uh, Nokia vision of creating beautiful design products that blend seamlessly into the everyday lives of real people echoes exactly the ambitions that they have. We have a solid shared ground. Uh, uh, we have a solid shared ground to build on. Um, I think basically what happened is Nokia failed to to evolve, and this is kind of their next step of of uh, stepping away from the mobile phone industry. Uh, anybody that knows cell phones, Nokia was, you know, they they were the 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 creme de la creme at the, at the time. I mean, those virtually indestructible phones, and they were actually worked really good. They had fantastic radios in them, um, but. The, um, you know, the touch screens, the color screens and the smartphones kicked in and, and Nokia wanted to follow this, the, the, the same footprint that they've always followed and they failed to innovate a little bit. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, the Microsoft came and bought a chunk of it. And now they've, they've, now they're, they're stepping into the, uh, the smart device industry, the, the fitness smart device industry. Yeah. It's just, it's, a, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, Kind of almost like you can't beat them, join them. You know, if you can't uh, can't develop your way into the future, just buy your way into the future, and that's kind right. of what they're what they're doing here. And but uh, it's a really interesting company. I know I, I personally, you know, haven't really dug deep into them, but I, I uh, through past articles and, and things that popped up, um, I know that their scale, uh, which can like tweet and do a bunch of other stuff, it's kind of interesting and get uh, you know body fat calculations and stuff like that. But I know that's really a popular thing. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe. <clears throat> like you said, the Nokia that we both know from the past that was the 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 giant in the phone industry can kind of get its way back in with uh you know the the fitness industry here. So we'll see what happens. Um third article. Um we're back to our ransomware um from a few weeks back. It's um, not gonna <laughs> no, it's never going to end. This is going to keep switching like uh, the, the story alludes to. But uh, back when we last talked about it, a, uh, uh, I believe it was a hospital in Arizona that was uh, that was hacked. And it went a very long time before they paid the ransom um, and got their files back. But this time we we're looking at uh, uh, police departments um, being the um, 
in the targets of these uh, ransomware hackers. But uh, cyber criminals who have forced U.S. hospitals, as alluded to, schools and cities to pay hundreds of millions in blackmail to see the computer files destroyed are now targeting unlikely group of victims, local police departments. Uh, Eastern, Eastern European hackers are hitting law enforcement agencies nationwide with so-called ransomware viruses that seize control of computer uh, system files and then encrypts them. Uh, the hackers then told then hold the files hostage the victims victims cannot speak tonight don't pay ransom online uh with an untraceable digital currency known as bitcoins which we just talked to in our first article uh they try to maximize panic with the element of real life hostage crises including ransom notes and countdown clocks um getting more and more into this you know it's just interesting you know like this in the last article it's one of those things where you know if you don't hit it by a certain time then it goes up to more and more and more um but eventually i think uh you know a lot of these cases what happens is um you know with the hospital case it was too they kind of negotiated them down to a certain fee that they thought would be you know that they could pay or whatever and they end up paying it but it's still just an interesting interesting way to go about it instead of deleting things and being malicious you know let's hold on to them and blackmail people I and mean, it's it's a great i mean I, sh- I shouldn't say great but it's a it's a very lucrative way to do it um but uh i i don't i don't see this stopping anytime sooner and, and you know maybe this just comes down to us not being prepared when it comes to you know updates and, and things like that so we'll see what happens yeah, and that's kind of actually what you alluded to is actually the the scary part. This is the just version one of these of these ransomware attacks. You know, how are these guys going to evolve, and what's version two of of these ransomware is going to be? You know, back up your information. Uh, you know, get an image of your computer. So if anything were to happen, just you know, dump your existing image and and load a new one. Um, and and another thing that I see and. In, in, Maybe this is just my way of thinking. I think these guys are are targeting places like police departments and hospitals that are just massive. They're they're not going after you know onesie twosie uh, organizations. For one, they must understand that the IT base because of how big they are, the IT infrastructure is so widespread that uh, you know for anything to kind of propagate through the system, it it, it takes a while. So you know, and they can take advantage of that, and also going. Uh, after things like government uh, entities, they know that they have to work with budgets, and it's like, exactly. oh, hey, you know, the government entities—they unfortunately are are not the one of the first organizations to be on the on the cutting edge of of security and and innovation. You know, they Which have seems backwards, know. right? Exactly. Um, so they they actually know who to target and they're actually doing a, a pretty good job as, as strange as it may sound um, of getting their point across. But uh, you know, there's, uh, I was part of a, uh, a, a talk the other day or I was listening through a talk and they were talking about the human firewall and, you know, that's going to be the, what they envision is going to be the next level of security where you're going to have a hardware firewall, a software firewall, and now you have a human firewall where you have to, you know, update as in the, you know, keep them abreast, educate them. Hey, here's how the ransomware, here's how everything is changing. Here's how you need to be, you need to be aware. Cause 99.9% of the time, um, I shouldn't say 99%, a majority of the time, these ransomwares actually come into the system because of some user that inadvertently opened an email that said, Hey, here, you've won something or what is this, this attachment? And they accidentally opened an attachment, infects the entire system. Um, so, you know, that's where the human firewall component comes in, where you're going to educate the user saying, don't open anything. If there's, 
you know, if, if it's, if it's ever in doubt, um, you know, stop opening them. Uh, hopefully they'll come up with some kind of a sandboxing solution where all the attachments will open sandbox. And if it's malicious attachment, you can just kill it right there and it doesn't infect the system, but, but it's certainly going to be, going to be interesting, but related to that on the next article, Opera browser, um, they are launching their own free VPN. Opera last week announced that it would uh, add a free VPN service to the latest version of its browser. Now, you don't have to download VPN extensions or pay for VPN subscriptions to ex- to access blocked websites and to shield your browsing when on public Wi-Fi, says Christian Colundra, Opera Senior Vice President of Engineering and New Products. Until now, most VPN services and proxy servers have been limited and based on a paid subscription, he added, with a free unlimited native VPN that works out of the box and doesn't require any subscription, Opera wants to make VPNs available to everyone. Opera's VPN contains a number of features found in commercial, excuse me, commercial-grade VPNs. Um, hiding an IP address, Opera will replace users' IP address with a virtual IP address, uh, unblocking firewalls and websites, uh, protecting sessions at public Wi-Fi hotspots, a v, um, I like this idea. Um, I know Jason, you use a, a VPN. I use a VPN all the time, but I'm I'm with the mindset that y- you get what you pay for when it comes to something like a VPN, and uh, it, that's great that these guys are bundling it. But I have a little bit of reservation using it. However, uh, given the opportunity, I'd rather use this than no VPN if I'm at you know a Starbucks or a, or or a Caribou coffee shop. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. It, it's only as good as the exit nodes, and having an open source thing like this, it, who knows who is is running one of these exit nodes and just scraping data, you know? And that's that's half the issue. Um, but it does completely make sense for Opera to do this, you know, back to the Opera Mini days and things that we saw back on the flip phones. Um, their main thing was they did a lot of compression algorithms you know, cloud wise before cloud was even a term. Um, so having a service where, you know, they're already running this data through that, why not run it through a VPN? It completely makes sense, but I am completely on board with what you said. And, and, you know, it's only as good as, as, you know, there's a lot of things in this life that are good deals, but a lot of things are as good as you, as you pay for them or as much as they cost. And, and I don't think security is one of those things you really want to go, uh, go open source or free on. Cause it, uh, you just don't know what you're actually getting. Right. And the other thing that is um, one of the key things with these VPNs is, you know, are you tracking um, the, 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 the data, not, not necessarily the data. Are you tracking uh, the activity? You know, are you tracking, okay, this person connected on this date and went to these websites. And then what if there's a subpoena that gets sent to opera? Are they going to release this information? Uh, a lot of the VPNs that are, that are out there, one of their key things, one of the key selling points is we don't keep track of any logs. Um, so in the event they get a subpoena or something like that, they, they're like, we don't have any logs. But, um, you know, are, is that going to be the case? Or But, you know, I know somebody is going to dig through their terms and conditions and you know, we'll find out here soon. But, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, um, it's, it's great that they're doing it. Um, but uh, you, you got to take it with a grain of sand. Exactly. We'll see what happens. Um, going to a completely lighter note um, to our Internet of, of Things talk that's been a, a constant uh, understream here the last couple of weeks. But uh, uh, if you dig gardening, uh, you know it's often months-long uh, guessing game. Plant seeds, water them, make sure they get the right amount of sunshine, and then just maybe 
you'll sprout some greenery that will survive until harvest time. But why do all that work of an, of an uncertain payoff? Uh, this is 2016, and in 2016, every, everyone puts chips in things. Uh, several sensor-laden products call uh, can monitor your soil and pass that information to an app on your phone. Uh, irrigation systems can use weather forecasts to hone watering schedules, and most of these devices connect to the Internet, so you can do this. Uh, so you can dote on your green friends from... Dote, interesting terminology there, and I like that. Uh, from anywhere, uh, the Eden's Garden sensor uh, is one example. Uh, jab the spike-shaped solar-powered sensor into the ground, and it reads the soil conditions, light frequency, moisture levels, weather data, and sends it to the Eden app on your phone. Uh, Parrot's flower power sensor goes in a potted plant or in the ground. Uh, like the Eden, provides data on the plant's health, like temperature and whether it needs to be watered or fertilized. It uses a battery, which makes a better uh, which makes it for a better bet for indoor plants. Um, so this is just kind of the thing where, you know, we've seen this in the last two years, you know, internet connected fridges and, you know, all these things that you really don't need, uh, but do make life easier. And I think um, just as an, an understream of all this, I think this is all great ideas. And I think this is going to come to fruition at something like really, important in our lives at some point in time, but I don't know if telling me how wet my soil is, is really the place for it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I can see this being somewhat of a, a more realistic application, kind of like a greenhouse environment. You have a large number of plants and now you can, you know, in one shot, figure out what's going on. Cause um, you know, I know they use drones for, you know, they, they'll, they'll fly them over uh, farmlands to get, images or, or get weather conditions. And I can see something like this uh, being uh, kind of a, a, a neat app to, to figure out what's going on. But if for your, for your personal little, you know, 12 by 12 garden, it might be a tad bit overkill, but uh, like you said, this is the time where people are putting everything in chips. And uh, a couple of days ago, I was watching TV and now they have a Bluetooth enabled uh, pregnancy kit. So it's like okay, so ovulation kit. I, I, I'm not not too certain, but it's another one of those things where well, we we did it because we can. There's exactly. really no, you don't need it, but we can do it, so we did it type thing. Um, but it's actually something very cool that you know if uh, you have a garden and you want to try it, absolutely. But um, like you said, with all the Internet of Things, the Internet of Things is very very young at this stage. You know, there's a lot of uh, problems with security. And the problem is you have one faulty or not very secure internet, internet appliance. And if somebody can get in, they've basically just got into your entire network. So if you want to run something like that, at least get a, a cheap $20, $30 router, second router and run it off of a, of a whole different network. So it's kind of separated from, from your own. And, and the problem is, you know, let alone getting into all your stuff, at one point in time, one of these things is going to get hacked and it's going to be kind of the scarlet letter on, on all this stuff where it's going to ruin it. Um, and that's the hard part is, is you get all these people making these innovative things and doing all this crazy stuff. But I just, you get worried that, you know, they rush to getting the product out and getting their idea made that they actually don't worry about security and, right. and, and it, you know, it ruins, like I said, it ruins the, it kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouths going forward. Yeah. And uh, with that, we're going to roll into our main article, which uh, is about Apple, Google, um, and cars. <laughs> 
Uh, BMW Daimler steer clear, steer clear of Apple car project uh, is the first half of the story. BMW and Daimler have broken off talks um, about forming a partnership with Apple to develop an electric car, according to news reports published last week. Discussions reportedly stalled over issues that included which company would take the lead on the project and which would have ownership of the data. Apple uh, apparently sought to develop a vehicle that would be integrated closely with its cloud-based software while the car makers had concerns over customer data protection. Apple had sought German technology and specials for electric and autonomous car project and its ongoing efforts to find key strategic partners have been conducted out of its Berlin office. So I have a feeling that the Apple uh, the iPhone case that was going on had something to 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 do with this. And that's that's what I, that's my first thought when I read the article too. Is the way they made it sound? It's like you know what you guys are kind of getting dug into by the government. I don't think we want to get into a pool with you guys right at this point in time and uh, and get ourselves in that whole mess. So uh, we'll just stay over here and see wait what happens. But uh, I, I know I, I feel exactly the same way because it it seems to me you know somebody like BMW or, or Daimler or somebody like that or would be the company that would that would pair with Apple. Somebody that you know not just a, a low brand. And Kia or something like that, you know, because that wouldn't fit Apple's branding and Apple's image and things. So um, this would make sense. So I, I think it has to be something, you know, outside of the realm of, you know, we don't want to do and, and something more of, hey, you guys are, uh, you guys got the got the heat on you right now. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in the sidelines for now. Yeah, but it looks like Apple's already got uh, into talks with a company called Magna. Uh, Magna makes pretty much a, a slew of, of of items, anything from uh, um, the the security locking mechanism to circuit boards to to safety equipment for for vehicles. So um, there is, I guess, still a possibility that Apple might be involved in some of these automobiles. It may, whether or not it's going to be branded Apple, I don't know. Whether you know Magna is going to use Apple's uh, the IT infrastructure and technology, and then and then rebrand it. I'm not sure at this point, but uh, looks like they 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 are working with this with this company. Well, it seems it seems like part sourcing, kind of like they do with you know Foxconn and things. Have somebody else make right. it for them, um, or you know, because they use I mean they use Samsung parts in their phone, they use everything. So uh, it it uh, it would make sense that you know if you can't get somebody just to give you or make you a stock car and stick your your brains into it, that you the next step would be hey, let's just source all the parts and have somebody put it together for us. I think that's kind of what they're looking with the Magna company, and and like that you know I think that's a harder way to go about it. But if if no one wants to get in bed with them, I think that's the only route they have to go and and that's more of apple's game to be in control and, and to have a say over right. everything um so it would make sense that they would do it themselves so i guess we'll see what uh what happens with uh with the apple car which has been spoken uh, of very very much lately but uh the the second article we have we'll, we loop in we can kind of talk about both here but uh google um is uh now looking at getting into the minivan market for their self-driving cars um after months of rumors, including one rumor that uh, it was partnering with Ford, Google's self-driving car is going to be manufactured, uh, going into manufacturing mode with a new prototype based on the Chrysler Pacifica minivan, which I know you are very uh, familiar with. That hits, that hits. That hits. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, I, I own the older model, which is actually still classified as a sport SUV, utility. Yes, 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 yes. It's yep. a van. Don't worry, Rock. Yes. You, you can admit sport it. Utility vehicle. <laughs> 
Uh, but the decision to go with this kind of vehicle emphasizes the goal uh, that has always been behind Google. Um, and I can't scroll right now because the screen hates me. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's, of, it's, it's, it's awfully interesting that we're on a Google topic. And they're not letting us talk about this. Yes. Yep. And we're using Google Sheets and it won't let us scroll. Um, but anyways, it's behind Google's self-driving project. It will allow... Uh, Unprecedented independence for uh, people who are blind, deaf, and disabled. A minivan can easily be adapted for wheelchairs and other eh, assistive devices that will help people get in and out of the vehicle. And it totally makes sense. If you're going to make a car, you're not going to make a sports car. You're not going to make a monster truck. You're going to make something that every single person can drive. And you don't want to limit you know, these these people with with disabilities or with uh, impediments that that can make them drive a you know a tiny sports car, get up into a giant truck or anything like that. So it would it would just makes sense for them to use a a mini van. Sorry to rub it in again, but a minivan uh, model. You know, and it, the it, that's exactly the thing. And I can see them kind of spinning this uh, the 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 self driving autonomous vehicle around a little bit and saying, hey, you know, if 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 you um, are in a wheelchair, but you have a modified uh, minivan like as you called it um they can actually have that person still drive but then take advantage of the autonomous driving capability so it could be like a 50-50 thing this person is still going to drive but if for some reason the system notices that there's there's something and they're veering off course or or whatever it is they can automatically correct it or or something along those lines and i can i can see them doing that and it uh it totally makes sense, and I think it's a it's a good move that they're doing that. And like you said, you know, sure they might have a sports car, but that's it, not very practical to have a, a car that can go two hundred miles an hour drive itself. You know exactly. And the, you know, the first thought about this when I when I saw the you know the helping people that are disabled or deaf or, or blind in this case, the the only thing you know I first thought oh this is great you know somebody's blind they could you know get into their car could drive them where they got to go and they got to go somewhere don't need anybody to give them assistance. But then I thought. Hey, wait, isn't one of the, like the laws or one of the things that, that the people are trying to put in place with these self-driving cars is that the individual still has to have like immediate access to take control of these things. So can you really ethically and legally have a blind person be riding in a, or does it seem to say blind, let's say disabled where they're, you know, paraplegic or something like that or quadriplegic and they can't, you know, function in the car. You know, it'd be a great thing to have them be able to show from around, but can they legally drive that since they can't really take control of the car if need be? You know, that's a good that's a good question. I I guess I don't really know the 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 answer, but I do know that Uber is actually very interested in this and they want to um at any point in time when they can launch a fleet of self driving Uber vehicles. So um I guess that tip, applies tip to the self driving cars too. Yeah. <laughs> So I I wonder how that applies even in that case. So you call for an Uber and this is car with no driver pulls up and you hop in it. So are 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 you as the Uber customer um supposed to take control if something happens? I I don't know. I, I picture like a Max Headroom, like old CRT yes. monitor mounted in there. Like like I am here to bring you. Are you John? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Max! <laughs> That'd be great, but uh, no, I, I completely agree. I don't know. I, yeah, so there's a person. Is there like a joystick in the back, or like a trainer car where they got the you know, steering wheel beside you, or or what happens? Is is that going to be a cheaper fare for these people since they're not actually 
having an individual drive them and or is it less because you don't have to deal with small talk <laughs> i don't know i don't know how they would how they would really go about that but it should be interesting I, the self-driving car thing is it, we're at the very very tip of all this happening but i mean it's 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 going to be definitely within our very short term of our lifetime you know here that we're going to see this be a very common thing and um sooner than later and and i you know it, it's it's just really interesting how fast it's come in the last you know from from their self driving you know uh, street view cars to now we're actually having physical cars that are going to be produced to to do this without a, a special a special function just to be a car so it's uh, it's it's interesting to say the least. Yeah, absolutely, I'm I'm still excited by the the summon function on on the Teslas. You know, you push a button and the thing comes out of the garage. And well, that's that's the thing is what they say. The greatest part about that summon function is is you know it's not so much like you know it's going to be a valet for you at the you know when you're eating that sizzler or something, but um, but just people that have really tight garages or people that you know that kind of thing where it's 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 really hard to get in out of or you have a little bit of room like this thing can like maneuver out for you and, and do that. And that's so cool. But um, it, it just makes me wonder, you know, going back to our Apple story, you know, Google's doing all this stuff, self-driving, you know, Apple's kind of hinted at it, but more just about their internal head unit things, you know, are, since they're sourcing all these parts just for cars, are they trying to go down the self-driving part too as well? Because they have a big catch up game to, to play on Google. If that's the, uh, if that's the case, you know, years ago, I, when this whole when when Google initially said, "Hey, we're coming out with a you know self-driving car," and then there was brouhaha on Apple's side, I always thought that Apple and um, Tesla would shake hands and go, "Hey, you know what?" Because Apple would need an entire facility to build these things. You know, they would need an R and D team to design the car, to to you know build it, and so I always thought that hmm, you know. Tesla is kind of a, a a polished model that Apple would would fit nicely in, and they would go, okay, let's say, can't Tesla, you build a car, uh, we as Apple will give you the interface, and then we'll kind of kind of meet in the middle. But uh, you know that that certainly didn't go that way. So I'm I'm lucky nobody put money on on my my idea. But and Tesla already has an iPad sized display in their Model right. X is right now as it is. So right, <laughs> I guess exactly. it, would, it would be a good fit. And, and you know, it, it, like you said, the, 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 we've said this in the past, I know I can't remember what episode it was, but the, the, how the two companies work and kind of their mantras is very, very much the same. You know, it's all about the experience. It's all about the experience. And so they're, they're very, very, very much the same company. So it's just, it is really interesting that they haven't really gotten together. I don't know if that's a headstrong side from, from Apple. Um, and you know, not wanting to give control over to somebody like Tesla, or if that's Tesla being like, yeah, you know what? I think we'll be just fine on our own. We're, we're growing fast enough as it is. So, um, but it, it would be, I, you know, knock it off the park, complete sense for them to do it together, but they just haven't yet. Well, you know, the, the plans are out on public domain. Um, so if Apple's looking <laughs> just, to. Geohot can hook you up and uh, just make, make well, it for his, you. Well, his kit's coming out. 10 grand should be out uh, at the end of the year, I think. So. Oh goodness! I I uh, yeah I, I've I've done enough hacking with 3D printer and making little things on it that you know that that's not going to kill anybody. It might burn the house now. We're not going to kill anybody. I don't know how I want to really like you know solder in a a brain into my into my car, but uh, I guess that's for certain types. 
that kind of takes you back to you know when you had you know two subs and three amplifiers and you had a second battery in the trunk and it and wasn't driving the car. <laughs> right, that's that's what we're going back to. Is we're not we're not going to need another battery to run the run the you know the Intel server that's in the back that's um, you know running the the navigation and the avionics of the car. While it's while it's playing Go against the uh, right. Asian guy. Oh, goodness. Uh, that's our show for today. I think we're at about a little over 30 minutes. So thank you very much to Purple Planet for providing the music for our show. Uh, check them out, purple-planet.com. Thank you very much for uh, watching. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, it should be right down here. And find us on your favorite podcast app. If you can't find us, rss.wifioptional.com is our feed address. Uh, the audio version also available on iTunes. And if you have a question, uh, comment, or if you want to... Uh, uh, Join us on a live taping. Send us an email to info at wifioptional.com. You can find us on Twitter as well at Wi-Fi Optional. And oh, and that's the wrong song. Dive. Dive. Yep. And from uh, myself, Rukshan and uh, Jason, thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Have a good one. <laughs>